I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wants support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Oh! coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Hello and welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast. Now you've probably already noticed that I am not Johnny. Johnny is away in Spain, I assume trying to capture Ito Karanga and bring him back to Millsborough. But nonetheless, I am joined by Tom Green and we're going to talk about all things Borough from the week, a rather mixed week for, for Borough. We, of course, got off on the right foot against Sheffield United, a 2-0. And then, of course, in typical Borough fashion, we followed it up with a 2-0 defeat against struggling Hull. So, Tom, how are you feeling about this week's games? Um, just a bit, bit deflated, really. Um, I think it's the start of kind of apathy setting as well, which is never really a... A good sign to to me, like uh, as long as we're kind of away from from the relegation zone, um, it, it just kind of you know gets emotionally detached from it, really. But um, yeah, it's like you said, they're typical borough. It just seems like every time we look like we're turning a corner, which it did against um, Sheffield United, we'll we'll let it down somehow, like it did uh, against Hull yesterday. Yeah, I think my words, if Johnny was to give me the good old question of what three words are you feeling, it would probably be despondent, disconnected and and just dejected. I think, again, like you mentioned there, another false dawn for Borough where it did seem like we were turning a corner in that Sheffield United game and I thought we played genuinely good in that game and then we follow it up with a... I mean, it was a frustrating... We'll get onto it, but it was a frustrating game uh, against Hull. But firstly, I do want to rewind to earlier on in the week... Uh, there were a few interesting comments, to say the least, from Warnock in his pre-Sheffield United press conference. And there was one in particular that stood out to me. I'm going to read, read it out now. Um, he said, I think I've just got to pick what I think is my best team now and not worry about anything else. I think I probably worried too much about getting people fit, but I don't think I should do that anymore now. I think I should just pick my team. And if people get fit, great. If they don't, they won't get in the team. Now... We are a little bit in a situation we might be reading into this a little bit too much, but 
does this show that there's potentially a little bit of a divide behind the scenes that Warnock is maybe playing players like I'm thinking JLS and, and Piero because he feels like he has to rather than because he wants to? Uh, yeah, I mean, potentially, I, I think we've talked about it before. The club is clearly going in a different direction now with with transfers and and trying to trying to build a a new look kind of team. It it wouldn't surprise me if there is pressure behind the scenes on Warnock to to play those players. Um, and obviously, I mean, he, he said it loads of times, but this is going likely his his last job in management. So I feel like he's probably at the point where he's like, well, I've got nothing to lose, so I'm just going to say I'm doing it my way, and and we're, we're going to do it this way, and only play certain players and stuff. But yeah, I mean, th- those comments were interesting. Um, I mean, I think as fans, we always kind of want to see the the new players come in, hit the ground running, and 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 stuff like that. Um, so we, we'd all ideally like to see people like JLS and Piero playing, um, but as I suppose whatever's effective and gets results really um, is the way to go. Um, but I mean, obviously at the moment we're not even doing that. So, <laughs> so. yeah, that's my worry. To be honest, that. <sighs> people behind the scenes aren't singing from the same hymn sheet and it goes back to what we sort of mentioned before of well almost what's the point what's the point in having Warnock if the direction that the club are going in right now is basically the opposite direction to what Warnock wants to to go in himself so I think that's always the issue, isn't it? I think he, he's come out and said that they are singing from the same hymn sheet, but with comments like that, obviously I said there that the we are in danger of maybe looking into it a little bit too much, but it, it doesn't really strike you with much confidence, does it? No, I mean, there's contradictions and stuff in his interviews. Like, he says we're all singing from the same hymn sheet and stuff, and then you've got, like, the interviews about, like, Van Berg and, oh, it's nothing to do with me. Nothing to and, do with me. And and stuff like that. So it's it's like I is I is really singing from the same hymn sheet though. I think that that's the only thing. Like w- with the new direction and obviously Kieran Scott coming in as as new head of football and, and we are taking these steps. I feel like everyone needs to be bought in. Uh, and it seems like everyone behind the scenes maybe is except Warnock and and maybe the coach and stuff. If if they're just kind of following what he's he's telling them to do. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a bit of a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, and he is, of course, the manager, so it is a, a difficult one. But he didn't need JLS or Piero in the game against Sheffield United. He said he wanted to do things his way. He did things his way, and it worked, didn't it? I thought we were real good against Sheffield United. Yeah, I mean, if his way was playing across the floor for the first time in <laughs> God knows how long, then I hope he continues doing that. But, um, yeah, I, I thought we played really well uh, against Sheffield United. Um I think I'll single out uh, Sol Bamba uh, mm-hmm. for for praise because I thought that performance was probably one of the best performances I've seen since like Woodgate at the Riverside. Yeah. Um, that is big praise as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've had a defender that's read the game that well in an individual performance in over one game, um, uh, you know, in, in a long time. So, like, fair play. That was a great performance there. Um, <laughs> And and yeah, I think it was just the matter of playing it across the floor a lot more. We, we were doing that a lot more on on Tuesday, and obviously it, it, uh, we reaped the benefits from it. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think obviously Sol Bamba 
man of the match was deserved, wasn't it? I think looking at his stats, eight clearances, two block shots, two interceptions, one tackle, not dribbled past once and won all of his five aerial duels. To be honest, it felt at one point as though it was Sol Bamber against Sheffield United. And I mean that with the utmost respect to the rest of the defence. But it was almost like a one-man mission. You could see that he was possessed almost to try and get that clean sheet. And I thought he was absolutely superb. And what worked for you against Sheffield United that hasn't worked previously in games for Borough? I, I mean, like I say, it's, it's just kind of moving away from the whole lumping into the channels and hope the wingers get onto it approach. Like uh, last week when I was at Reading, it was really good to kind of um, see to, to really see our game plan there because we were quite high up and mm. it was kind of like seeing you know the end-to-end view on FIFA, but like with the, uh, the um, increased height. Uh, and it, it was just obvious what we were doing every time we got the ball. We had um, usually McNair kind of, or, or even Housen at times, looking up straight away to the wingers. Um, you know, our, our midfield, it's no wonder they were being bypassed because they were going up front half the time and yeah. just waiting for like Crooks to, to knock it down. I didn't see a lot of that against Sheffield United. We actually played some good football. Uh, what more and 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 Tav, uh, I think played quite well um, on that day. Um, and I mean, especially what more considering we've not seen much of him this season. Um, but he was he was by far one of our better players uh, last season. Um, I, I thought he really stood out. Um, and and yeah, it was it was just just the matter of kind of playing on the floor and creating chances that way rather than the hoofing it into the channels. <laughs> Good old hoofing into the channels. I tell you what, I, what really impressed me, and it sort of goes on the back of your point about playing it along the floor. There were ten seconds between Sol Bamba passing to to Matt Buller out on that um, left hand side, which was a fantastic pass, by the way, and Duncan Watmore's goal. And it was the incisiveness, the quick play, knowing where players were. I thought a link up on that left hand side between Crooks, um, Watmore, and Bowler was really good. I thought Bowler was was fantastic. Um, I mean, his touch. We have to talk about that touch for yeah. the first goal. I mean, come on. The, I mean, that, that touch deserves its own podcast. Like. <laughs> it does. Should we just call this episode the Matt Bowler's Touch Podcast? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't quite come off the. A touch the, of Bowler. Yeah, a touch of Bowler podcast. But it was fantastic, wasn't it? And. Um, again, I, I, I look at Matt Bowler and I look at him as an attacking fullback and he was in those areas. And it was funny actually reading Grant McCann's analysis of the whole game yesterday. He said that they basically targeted Matt Bowler because even in the Reading game, having looked at the match report from it, he was getting a few crosses in towards the last stages of the second half and it looked like if anything was going to be created, that it was going to be created through him. Uh, in that match, and he was fantastic against Sheffield United. Um, it was just, it was really good to see that you've mentioned us playing on the floor, and we had patterns in that game. Yeah. Um, and even when we did play it long, you know, you saw with Bamba, it didn't seem hopeless. And what really impressed me with Bamba was that he was releasing the ball from defence, but it definitely was not hopeless or, or hopeful. It was, it was very measured. Um, the ball's out from the back and it's what we've missed really with Hall and, and Fry. It, it it feels like for them two, they just float it into those channels and hope that someone gets on the end of it. Whereas with Bamba, you could tell that his aim was for Matt Baller and it went to Matt Baller, I mean, with the benefit of, of a fantastic touch and fantastic control. But um, there were a few standout performers in that game. Who else stood out for you in, uh, in that win? Um, I'd say I've, I've got a... Kind of single out Joe Lumley as well. I thought he made some some great saves and and positioning was was really good throughout. Um, I think there was only one 
one point where he nearly conceded, but obviously Bamba came in to clear it off the line and save the day there. <laughs> um, obviously, you mentioned Baller as well. I, I thought he was he was fantastic in that game. Mm. Well, I think overall as well, uh, what more impressed me, what more was pressing from the front a lot, which was... Uh, it was a big part of Borough's game against Sheffield United. We had that great intensity. Of course, we surrendered a lot of possession. They had by far the majority of it. But I think Johnny pretty much summed it up perfectly during the game when he said that Borough were good in their moments. And we've spoken about this before. Sam Marsley told us that Borough do play in moments. And in those moments, Borough were clinical and they showed that attacking conviction that Sheffield United just didn't have. I mean, we I was saying during the game, wasn't I? I'll be surprised if they don't score. <laughs> they, yeah. of course, didn't score. But they had all the build-up in the world. And I thought it was fantastic movement between... Um, Morgan Gibbs-White and Ndaye but they just didn't have and I thought Ben Osborne played well as well but they didn't have that end product and I think that a big part of that is to do with Borough's defensive display Yeah I, I was going to mention that um, it was just one of the other the other parts of the game where I was impressed with Sol Bamba to be honest because we haven't really seen it between Fry and Hall but Bamba you could see him every time we were out of possession he was shouting at the rest of the defence Mm. organising them. Communication, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the communication was top-notch from, from Bamba. I didn't kind of see it as much from, from Lumley in that game, but it might have just been because Bamba kind of overshadowed him in that department. But considering at the moment, I think our our defence is is leaky and I think there's there's problems with, with the defence, which there hasn't been for kind of half of last season and, and you know, since Warnock came in and shoeed things up and, and saved us from relegation. I, I do think our uh, our defence is struggling a lot this season, but in that game, Bamba kind of solved those problems with that communication, I think. I think there was a couple of times where, particularly down the left-hand side, I think it was in the first half, but they, they swapped ends at the, the, um, they did. It threw at us, the start didn't of the it? game, so it's thrown me memory here. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was the first half. Um uh, Sheffield United were attacking down the left, but because of how narrow we were defending, uh, we were kind of really effectively closing off the angles there. And the only angle they had was kind of near post, which Lumley had covered, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I, I thought defensively we were structured quite well in that game. What did you think of the midfield as well? Because I've had my issues with, with House and I've had my issues with McNair in, in midfield, but it was generally more balanced, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it seemed to work a lot more, um, this game. I, I suppose when you actually use your midfield, this is this is what can happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it did seem to be balanced. They seemed to know their responsibilities defensively, but they were also uh, quite effective going forwards as well, obviously capped off with a with a goal from McNair so I, th- I think balanced is, uh, is the best word to, to use for that display I suppose the take out from the game is that Paddy McNair is not all that bad in midfield after all but uh, someone that I thought deserved praise from the game as well despite not actually being in it as much as I wanted him to be was Andrew Sparrar I mean, I've said before that he has the movement that I don't think we've seen since Patrick Bamford in the playoff season. And if we can, I know we're going to talk about a whole game where I thought we did give him the service and he just didn't, um, he didn't take his opportunities. But if we continue to give him the service, I have no doubts that he will score many goals for us. Now, many goals can be 10 for Borough because we just don't score that many. But 
I thought he was uh, he was really good um, against Sheffield United. Again, as I said, I don't think we got him on the ball enough. I think he had about twenty five touches in the game. I can't. I don't know whether that's um, entirely accurate. I will have to check my uh, stats there. But brilliant performance from him as well. Yeah, I thought, I thought his movement was uh, was very good. Um, I think one of the other things you can clearly see that he's his heart in it as well. He's clearly got that passion to be playing here, um, which I'm not. I'm not kind of slagging off our other loan players at the moment um, because I think this is kind of more of a, a general statement about loan players. But you can sometimes get the sense that. You know their their hearts not in it. They're only here just so they're they're playing and and stuff like that. And you know they're not kind of giving it giving it the role. But you, you can tell that he is. Um, and I, I think what kind of summed that up was towards the end where he nearly had the the bit of chew with the Sheffield United players in the corner. Yeah, what was your verdict on that? Because I remember when when it happened, I I was obviously sat next to you in the game, and I said, "Oh, you can't be doing that." And it was a bit of one of those where you're thinking, "Oh God, don't do that again." Yeah, um, he got yellow carded for it, didn't he? I just he did. off the top of my head. Yeah, um, I thought he was lucky to not, not get a red for that. I thought he obviously it looked like he'd slapped um, one of the Sheffield United players on the back of their heads anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then when you lean in with your head like that, it's just it's a daft thing to do. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like, kind of in the in the Portuguese league or you know any of the other leagues that he's he's played in before. But that's obviously one of the things that's kind of scrutinised a lot in in the championship. And you know, it wouldn't have surprised me at the time if he was given a red card. Um, I'm obviously glad he didn't. But yeah, I suppose he needs to kind of either cut that out or channel it a little bit better in in future games. Well, Warnock took him off pretty much straight after that, didn't he? I think safest decision. <laughs> yeah, it was. To be fair, I viewed it more as a as the phantom orange card because he goes to slap George Baldock, doesn't he? But he misses thankfully, yeah. and then he leans his forehead uh, into him after that. He was really going after George Baldock. He must have really pissed him off. But <laughs> I mean, there was a Sheffield United fan page on Twitter that said afterwards that he uh, he slaps George Baldock and then nuts him one, which I mean that just doesn't happen, does it? Let's be honest. But it was definitely one of those where you're thinking. Yikes. <laughs> probably a little bit fortunate but nonetheless I thought Sparrow was was really good um, against Sheffield United and of course that sort of flick to set up Crooks to set up Paddy McNair's goal it was it was good and hopefully we could see um, a lot more from him but before we move on to Hull I just want to um, give a little bit of a of a bump towards our just giving page. We are fundraising for the MND Association this season, um, a charity that's very close to my heart. And October is a very difficult month for me and my family in regards to um, well, neuron disease. So, massive thank you to everybody that has donated so far. We're currently on uh, £400 raised, which is absolutely fantastic. So, thank you to everybody that has shared it, that has donated, and that has spread the word. Um, if you do want to donate, the link is www.justgiving.com forward slash the borough breakdown MND. So, thank you very much for that. But, whole Tom, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I really wanted us to have a positive podcast, but we can never have a positive podcast, can we? We always have to have a little bit of negativity in there. But uh, yet another false dawn um, with a defeat following a win. Third time that's happened this season, so yet another false start. Um, Bristol City, Nottingham Forest, and recently uh, Sheffield United, those victories being followed up 
by a loss. Uh, an own goal from Joe Lumley, a rather comical one, it must be said, and a late Malik Wilts goal meant Borough going to the international break in 15th place. 11 games, three wins, three draws and five defeats. Now, before we get into our thoughts, Elliot was amongst the travelling Borough fans yesterday and he dialed in to give us his views on the game. Hi, guys. Um, so, yeah, my thoughts on the game from yesterday against Hull uh, were essentially just typical Borough once again. Um, I can't believe we went from South winning 2-0 against Sheffield United in midweek to losing that game yesterday 2-0. Um, it's the exact opposite to ours and I'm guessing most people's predictions on the two score lines. Um, the first half, I think, had a real lack of quality from both teams and it was a really scrappy affair. I don't remember a lot of chances happening. Hull had a few flashes, um, but nothing sort of concrete. Um, the second half picked up an in intensity, and I thought Borough had some good chances. Crooks played in Spara, I think it was, um, and we could have easily been 1-0 up there. McNair had another one laid off by Spara, um, and again, you know, I thought that was a real good chance for us to score. But, you know, I think aside from that, the defensive frailties really shown showing the true colours. Um, yeah, for for both goals, really, you know, you, you kind of look at it and you, you think that, that they could have been avoided. Um, in particular, the first one, you know, to hit off the post and to hit off Lumley and Cohen is, uh, is comical and just sort of typical of the day, really. Um, I think we did go for it towards the end of the second half, obviously, with Uche, Watmore and Spora all on the pitch at the same time. Um, but, Part of me kind of thinks it was left a, you know, it was left a little bit too late, and the subs could have been made a lot earlier. Um, we didn't seem to sort of make any subs, I think, until it was about the seventy-fifth minute or more. Um, and you kind of have to question that decision, you know, based on the fact that we actually tried to win the game. Uh, in the stands, I thought, you know, obviously we had a great following, three and a half thousand, but in all honesty, the atmosphere, obviously was quite flat. There wasn't a lot to, to sort of sing and shout about. There was a few sort of mutterings, uh, you know, of of things, you know, issues with stewards and police um, and, and fans fighting between themselves. I think there was a lot of frustration uh, for the Borough fans when, you know, Hull were obviously, you know, clearly winding them up when, when they scored. Um, you know, me, myself, I was sat quite, sat quite close to the away fans and sort of witnessed witnessed all of that. But, um, I didn't see much fighting between fans themselves. Uh, at the end of the game, I know there was kind of a lot of stuff thrown onto the pitch um, towards the players, you know, out of anger. So it, it is starting to get a little bit toxic um, of how we've seen in the past with previous managers. And I really hope it doesn't sort of continue that way. Um, you know, we've, we've got to start getting results against teams like Hull. The last time they won a championship game was obviously against us when they, when they went down. Um, and it's just, you know, it's not the fact that um, we've simply lost the game. It's it's we've we've gone down with a bit of a whimper and against a team who, in all honesty, were nowhere near outclassing us on the day. Um, it's just really poor game management. Um, but yeah, that that's my thoughts overall. Um, like I say, hopefully we can regroup in this international break and turn it around. But um, it you know it, it's quite dire at the moment. So, Tom, Elliot said it was typical Borough. What did you make of the match? Well, I had a bit of a, a different perspective on it yesterday um, with being out in, in Leeds for the night. So I Ooh. was having to kind of 
Yeah, we all went Leeds school. <laughs> Out in Pop World trying to start South Cleveland garages. That that's exactly it. And I was the only person in Leeds Pop World singing South Cleveland garages. I was I was gutted. Um <laughs> no one knows the words to that the real words to that song. But um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, I was kind of having to, to pay attention through through Twitter and then kind of look into all the highlights and the stats and stuff afterwards. From everything that was going on on Twitter, I just kind of assumed that the goal was going to go Borough's way. I mm. think there Sad. was, um, in the first half, it did seem like we'd started slowly um, and kind of grown into it towards half-time and then came out uh, with a bit of intensity afterwards, pretty much the opposite of how we usually play. Um, but you, you look at some of the chances that we created yesterday, like that that one uh, Matt Crooks put in for, for Sparrow, really should be finishing that. Um, I mean, it, it does seem kind of especially typical of Borough, considering the manner of the first goal as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, for for the quality saves he made on, on Tuesday... I feel sorry for for Joe Lumley there. It's not not worse than than when that happens when you play in keeper. Third on goal we've scored this season oh, as well. Brilliant. The most we've overtaken Huddersfield is the outright um, top own goal scorers in the championship this season so far. Oh, that's not a stat to brag about. That. <laughs> no, it isn't, is it? Uh, um, but no, like I, I, it genuinely surprised me that 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 kind of tweet came through saying whole one nil, and I just thought oh, after mm. this it'll be two nil. Um, but I completely missed the the tweets around the second goal until about a little bit later on, where I saw Burroughs tweet about it. I was like, "Eh, we conceded again." I didn't yeah. even hear about that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, like looking at that one as well, that did seem like we'd we'd committed kind of far too pe- uh, far too many people forward in search of the equaliser and just got kind of hit on the counter there. The the thing is about that game. Um, obviously, I think if we'd have went into this week. Lost to Sheffield United and won against Hull, we'd have maybe been a little bit more accepting of this. But it's the fact that we've had that kind of false uh, false dawn there of we beat Sheffield United in a really good display and then go to Hull, who haven't won in the championship at home since, what, 2003 or something when they beat us. <laughs> uh, um, and, yeah, it, it was always going to happen. We've been properly football managed there. But, um, yeah, it's it's just... The fact that we can't see it out against these teams that we should be beating. You look over the last few weeks, like Blackpool at home is a winnable game. We should have been winning that. Coventry, we should have had a much better display there. <clears throat> and and like I was saying earlier, I think it just comes down to our... Um, our I don't want to say defensive structure because that might not be the issue, but it does seem problems with defence, um, which it seemed like one of Warnock's strengths when he came in. Um but now it's it's just like you, you can say we're unlucky from from missing some of the chances that we we had, and you know over, over the last few games we or we've had chances. I can't really kind of blame the lads and stuff like that. But you can blame them for conceding two goals in that manner to a, a team that hasn't been playing well at all this season. Um, you know, I, I think our our results against teams towards the bottom of the league have been horrendous this year, and. Um, I think out of the the ones in the bottom three, we only kept a clean sheet against Derby. So and yeah, and, and even, a, even that, that, that was lucky. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the problems at the moment kind of lie lie with defence. I thought even if we were unlucky yesterday and missing chances, the least they could have done is kept a clean sheet and kind of seen out for a point. It wouldn't have been the result we wanted, um, but it, it would have been better than that. 
Yeah, I, I want to pick up on something that that Elliot said. I mean, he, he gave himself a little bit of a disservice by saying that it wasn't the prediction that we that we would have thought. When actually, I'm pretty sure Johnny and Elliot said last week that they wouldn't be surprised if Borough beat Sheffield United and then got beat by Hull, and that is, of course, what happened. But Els mentioned there a lack of quality in the first half. It was very reminiscent of the Derby game, actually, funny enough, we just mentioned it, where both teams just didn't look like they had the, the right intensity for the match. Mm. And then I agree with you there. I think second half we came out with it. And to be fair, I thought when we played the ball along the floor, again, I thought we played quite well. And it was funny that the whole commentator actually mentioned that, that we looked threatening when we didn't play it long. And, and to quote him exactly, he said, Middlesbrough, instead of just whacking it forward, actually played with the ball on the ground and actually created something. So that's the whole commentator talking there. I think he mentioned a few times before then about Borough playing long ball. And it, I, I always, whenever we do it, I always think about how we could play if we actually do play the ball along the floor. And what Neil Warnock teams do is they want to play the ball up into the final third as quickly as possible and then play but the problem with it is that we never really seem to get into those areas to play. And the, second, the first half was poor. The second half, I thought we were better. And you mentioned there the argument of being unlucky. Of course, the, the first goal that we conceded is unlucky. I mean, you could talk about Tav not closing down the space for Lewis Keane Potter, but at the end of the day, the ball cannons off the post and then cannons off the back of Joe Lumley's head. I mean, that is unlucky. It's unfortunate, but uh, there's there's only so much bad luck that we can have. And my argument, my question to that is, are we unlucky or are we just is this just not working? Because you see Forrest now under Steve Cooper, they've got some fantastic players. Brendan Johnson, Philip Zinkanagel, um, Joe Lolly, uh, I really like Max Law as well. They've got Jed there as well. Um, and they've got that new manager balance and I'm just, I can't help but look at them and think, well, what about what about Borough? Is, are we unlucky or is, or is change needed? And for me... I mean, Elliot spoke about the sort of toxicity and we saw it on Twitter after the game yesterday. It does have shades of Tony Mowbray's final game against Barnsley. And to be fair, it's been brewing, hasn't it? The the discontent and it's reared its head in the stands and surely that's a worry. Yeah, definitely. And I think another kind of parallel we can, we can draw from that is um, the Barnsley game towards the end of Woodgate's run. I think it was just before kind of COVID started and obviously before the the big break and got, stuff. You and Johnny went to that one. Yeah, we yeah. did, yeah. Um, so I remember Barnsley scoring in that game and it was just an absolute comedy of errors from from our team. I mean, both teams were absolutely poor that day. But Barnsley's goal, it, like I say, comedy of errors. And, and that team seems to be what happened yesterday. I don't think... Like when when we talk about being unlucky, I don't think we were yesterday because we created those chances and we just didn't take them. Mm, um, okay. I, I think we can say we were unlucky if like Spora got it on target and it bounced off like a beach ball on the line and went out or something like <laughs> yes. that. But I just I don't think his finishing was good enough yesterday mm. just to to kind of be kind of brutally critical about that. I agree. Um, and yeah, I, I think. It does have kind of certain shades of of Mowbray's last season, especially because Mowbray's last season we went into it a little bit 
kind of excited with the signings we were making. You know, we'd brought in a dormer and we thought, all right, this is going to be our year to make a, a push for the playoffs. And, you know, by by October, it just it, it wasn't working. It was clearly not working. Um, and it's it seems similar now in the fact that, you know, un, under Mowbray, um, you know, we brought in these players, we, we were looking forward and then conceding uh, constantly and, and, and losing games we should be winning. That seems exactly what's going on at the moment. Um, whereas, like I say, defensive structure was one of our strengths before. Now it doesn't seem like anything's really our strength <laughs> other than playing <laughs> on the floor in the last couple of games, which has, has been working in terms of uh, chance creation. And scoring but, on goals. Yeah, but you you, you, <laughs> you need the, the balance between the two. You can't just rely solely on one. Yeah, I think it was difficult to place myself in regards to the game yesterday, but then this morning I was thinking about it. I think we were unlucky to lose, but that's not me saying that we deserve to win because as you said there, we had the chances we didn't take them, that sort of tough tits. We didn't we didn't we weren't clinical enough. But in terms of XG, if you're a believer in XG, I know some people aren't, so I do have to put that out there. Um the game pretty much stands at one all. Um Hull 1.05 expected goals, Borough 1.58. So that is around 1-1. So, yeah, for me, we, we were unlucky to lose just because of the manner of the first goal and the fact that, oh, I mean, the second one, we I think that was the point in which we were trying to get that equaliser. We we brought on Jones um, and, and Nick Piezu and, and it looked like we were trying, we were pushing people up the pitch and then you you, you find yourself in a situation where people with Johnny Allison's blowing out of his ass trying to get back um, <clears throat> and Malik Wilkes again um, just like uh, under Warnock in the nineteen twenty season he scores against us so yeah it, it, really really disappointing uh, from Borough I just want to pick up on something that Elliot said about substitutes, were you surprised that Warnock didn't didn't put a sub on sooner because there was a point in the game where I was certainly thinking, right, we need something fresh here. Um, does, I, does it go to, to man management is my point. Yeah, I mean, I can see the reason why you might not put a sub on um, if you think that the tide of the game is going in your favour, which it definitely seemed like it was yeah. in the second half. I think by the end of the game, if I'm remembering my stats right, we had 17 shots. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, we, we were clearly creating chances. <clears throat> so I suppose it comes down to that old uh, adage of uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, but then, yeah, I, th- I think what you said there, uh, you know, needing something to freshen it up, um, I-, I think that that could have only really enhanced our chances, really, uh, if we'd have seen that opportunity and, and brought us up on a- at that point. But I, f- I feel like that kind of... Uh, parallels with say Woodgate and I think to a lesser extent Mowbray I can't really remember off the top of my head at the end of that season but we all kind of question Woodgate's decision making uh, over substitutes I I definitely thought personally um, he left substitutes very late uh, and, and too long before they could make an impact and I don't know I feel like that if it might just be like a, a manager under pressure thing um, but yeah, Warnock seems to be leaving them quite late and not having enough time to kind of make an impact there as well. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I can see both sides of it uh, yesterday if we're just taking that uh, that game in isolation. Well, his first sub was Leah Saliki in for uh, the injured 
Dill frying at you at the minute. Uh, Lee Peltier as well picked up his fifth yellow card of the season, which means he'll be suspended for the Peterborough game after the international break. And then you've got Grant Hall that was uh, picked up an injury during training. Darnell Fish is out because something miraculous fell on his knee, apparently. Did you see the reason why Grant Hall's injured? No. Like, it, it was in an article with Gazette this morning, I think. Um, apparently the ball hit him and he just reacted too quickly and did something in his fine. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's just I mean, when it rains, it pours. It doesn't rain, it pours, doesn't like it? It's a comedy of errors. <laughs> it really is. And then um, Dyke Steele's out injured uh, as well for I think three or four weeks. So his Borough's decision not only to loan out the likes of Spence Coulson, even Nathan Wood to a to a lesser extent as well, and not getting the necessary depth in defence, does that come back to bite Borough on the ass? Um. I wouldn't say so. I mean, I think we, we've discussed it on, on earlier pods of the season. I think at the time, we understood the reasons for Lorne and Coulson, Spence and, and, and Wood. I don't think anyone would have potentially foreseen an injury crisis where uh, you know, our arguably first two-choice centre-backs are both injured and Peltier's got a yellow card, uh, uh, suspension, sorry, which I think is odd because I know you only played about five games for oh, us yeah, this season weird, as well. It? Uh, it must have been doing some serious damage in all them games. But, yeah, um, that is some card-to-game ratio, <laughs> isn't it? But yeah, I, I don't think that, that could really be foreseen. It's just left us in a hell of a position to to kind of cover cover in defence for, uh, for Peterborough. Yeah, see, I am not really of the persuasion of oh, bring Jed and bring Coulson back. I think I said, and I made it abundantly clear on the, on the pod a few times, even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I actually am surprised that we didn't let Coulson go on a permanent deal just because I think it's time for him to move on now the way that um, his career is going. He needs to play games. But the problem that I have is that we've had all the time in the world to bring in a backup left back and backup defenders, plural, and we haven't done that. We lost out to um, we lost out to West Brom for Keenan Bryan. We were going after Keenan Brown for Cardiff, didn't get him. Joel Bennett went to Wigan. I think we were, we were linked with him, weren't yeah. we? Right? It wasn't just my mind saying that. Oh yeah, Joel Bennett is a Borough player. I think it might have been Twitter and one Borough links, but I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how kind of in depth they went. But yeah, yeah, it was we, definitely mentioned. We were linked with players, weren't we? And I think the fact that we find ourselves in October now. And we still don't have the necessary depth. I mean, we really have to wrap Mark Buller in bubble wrap, really, because mm. if he's injured, then God knows what can happen. We probably have to play Zaya Jones wing back, which, I mean, even with Tav on the right-hand side, it isn't great. And that was one of the criticisms, actually, towards Warnock yesterday, playing Tav as a wing back. To be fair, it worked against Sheffield United. I did note, though, that there were a few times in the first half where he wasn't tracking back all the way and he was leaving Peltier exposed. Mm. So can you see why there's criticism towards him for playing Tav in that position? Yeah, I, th- I think obviously he's one of our more effective players going forward. I think to to play wing-back, he's probably going to need to be br- ringing his brother for advice quite often. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I can see can see the, the criticism of having him in a, a more defensive role. But I think some of that criticism also does stem from the fact that we just haven't strengthened in in these areas enough to to like avoid an injury crisis like this. What we mentioned there about the left backs, it's not like there hasn't been left backs available during the summer. Um, it's just we were after a certain type of player, mm. um, and I think just waiting's come back to to bite us a bit there. I f- I, think, I know we've got this kind of new way of, of doing things. Um, I think from from what we've heard, obviously the days of people like you know Brit on on whatever wages he were on are gone now, and we're we're sticking to a, a certain spend limit, which is obviously good. Mm. Um, and with fans coming back and COVID, I'm I'm guessing finances are, are kind of getting back to normal in the game now, so players are regaining a little bit of that power to to hold out for for other offers and stuff but like I say it, it's not like there's been a massive shortage of of left backs in in the in the summer not like there's been a shortage of, of them in any other position either I think we've just maybe got to be a little bit more aggressive in transfer strategy I don't want to see us go too aggressive and, and be back in the same position that we were um, but hopefully if, if obviously Kieran Scott being head of football is involved in these negotiations uh, I'd hope um, he, he's got a bit more, like I say, aggressiveness in the transfer market to to bring these players in. Because at the moment, I'm looking at the team and wishing that the emergency loan window was still a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. We can all we can all remember when when I talk came in and like in the second week brings in Shea Given and yeah. you know, absolutely turns the team around yeah, for a that while. Was an so. Signing. You know, if, if we could have had something like that, I think even Ayal was an emergency loan at one he point. He was initially, yeah. Um, so yeah, something like that would have been ideal now, but obviously we've still got the free agent market. I think Robbie Brady's been been mentioned in the last couple of days. I, I don't know how how much he's going to be able to help in defence. I think uh, in the Gazette articles I've seen, they've said he can play wing back. 
Um, yeah, a bit of a square peg in a round hole, that yeah. feels, doesn't it? Because I know Ro- Robbie Brady's a winger. I know he loves a free kick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Was it Hull away that he scored against us, I think? Yeah. A free kick. Yeah, I remember that. It was one of my first away games. You know what? I just hate Hull away. <laughs> Can we just stop playing Hull away? Can we just play down the local park or something? Because I, it's ridiculous. I think now, the last time I went to Hull away, McDonald got a hat-trick and I think mm. Emnes might have got the other one. Um, I remember Maxi Haas playing in that game as oh, well. Jesus, that, that was a time, wasn't it? And yeah. the rare Middlesbrough hat trick. I, I think it was Vossen after that that scored the next hat trick, which was, God, how long? Three years after, I think, which isn't actually that long ago. Uh, long after, either, even. But after the game yesterday, there was an interesting quote from uh, Warnock to BBC Tease. He said, I don't think I could do much more than what I'm doing <clears throat> with the squad very simple question really has he taken Borough as far as he can I think so based on on the the start of this season um like we said earlier there's there's parallels to the the Mowbray uh season it, it seems to be kind of heading in the same way I'd love to see him turn it around um and and prove me wrong there um really because it'd be the the cheapest most financially best op- uh, option for for yeah. the club to have if it if it just kind of suddenly turns around and he he works a miracle um but yeah I I don't understand that quote because clearly when you when you conceding goals like that um there there is still an issue there um I mean, that that's just looking at that game in isolation as well. It has been a, a running pattern for everything other than, than Sheffield United, which kind of seems a, an outlier at the moment. We haven't looked mm. great defensively. Um, so I think there's there's clearly more work to be done there in terms of chance creation. That does seem to be coming in the last couple of games. Um, so I can kind of see where he's coming from and like, like he can't score the goals for him. Um, can you imagine Warner running on the pitch and volleying like, it top bins? Like Steve Bruce on the <laughs> FIFA, FIFA video. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I can kind of see it like, you know, last couple of games we have clearly uh, increased our chance creation. But the defence, it's still an issue for me and there is still much more he can do with with the team. So, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that quote. Yeah, it did. I think a lot of people read it almost as if he's got to the point now where he's almost defeated within himself. And I don't know whether I quite read it that way, but I, I do think that he has taken us as far as he can. And, and this is a thing. I think a few people have, have commented, they haven't criticised us, but they've commented on our anti-Warlock agenda, apparently, but... The thing is, is we of course we appreciate what Neil Warnock did. He came in, he did his job, the, the Red Adair, he kept Borough up when it genuinely looked like we were going to League One, <laughs> you know, yeah. that we were getting relegated. And it felt like that was an inevitability at one point and he saved that from happening. And I'll be forever grateful to him for that because I could never have imagined a situation or a season where Borough are in the third tier of, of the English uh, football pyramid it just doesn't it, it doesn't make sense in my mind for Borough to be there um, so he did a fantastic job with us in that respect but ugh, you want building don't you you, mm. you want progress and I just think we've hit a little bit of a dead end and whenever we lose and whenever we play the ball out from the back and it's just hoofball aimless sort of punts into the channels I am thinking what what could a possession-based manager, for example, 
do with this team because we've got some really good technical players. We've got runners. We've got players that want the ball to feet. What more? Tav, Lissaliki, Piero, Paddy, Jones, Sparrow. There's there's a lot of them. I, I was thinking earlier today actually. I'm, I'm not kind of advocating for bringing him back or anything like that. But sa- same kind, Uh-oh. same kind of um, you know uh, period of the season where Karanka took over. Imagine his system with this team, mm. like you know where, where we brought in in Kike at the time to to be that striker and make the make the runs and, and get the goals. Imagine Sparrow playing that, and mm. you know having Piero and, and Leah Saliki in centre midfield, um, probably in the in the Ledbetter and Clayton roles. Yeah. <laughs> like I, 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 I feel like he, he probably would have got more out of them um, and especially at the moment where like you say we're playing out from the back but hoofing it into the channels um, I appreciate we, we haven't done it so much the last couple of games um, and, and when we have it, it has kind of been effective it's been dead on from usually Bamba um, but we do cut out that uh, that midfield quite a lot where we do have technical ability yeah, in the that's midfield the so thing. That's a frustrating it, thing. When it's I, like a, a part of our play which is just completely missing. Mm. When I look at the highlights back and when I watch Full 90s back, because Boris sneakily put them on their website but never tweet about them. <laughs> I wonder why. Um, I never see anybody in midfield offering themselves for the ball. And I've mentioned this before. That to me is tactical. There's no way that even Housen doesn't want the ball. Mm. You can see clearly it's it's an instruction. that how You can see Housen himself basically saying to, to Joel Romney, just kick it forward. And that's really frustrating because I genuinely believe that we're better than that yeah. and that we can do so much better than that. And I, and I actually do believe in this squad. I think in previous seasons when we've recorded this podcast, I have criticised the players a lot, but it's the manager now for me. And I, I mean, I think it's... I'm appreciative of what Warnock did, but I think now it's probably the point where you're looking towards change for yeah, me. You, you look towards someone more more technical and who's going to, like we've said, play it along the floor a bit more, but also keep possession of it and use the midfield a bit more. Uh, we, we've got the technical technical ability in that midfield to make it work. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think just... You can see our plan when we get the ball. Um, and in terms of people in midfield offering themselves to the ball, they're kind of having to drop back so they can get it and play it across to the other flank and try it that way. And we're moving moving forward by going flank to flank and, and trying to get enough space for a cross, whereas there's just there's really kind of little amount of play going straight down the middle. Um, so I, I think we're probably that's making us quite easy to defend against at points as well. Yeah, it is a massive shame that you you mentioned it there that that Sheffield United game is basically an outlier and anomaly because really wanted that to be the the kick up the the backside that Borani did the yeah. I don't know the ignition of the season and unfortunately it wasn't to be. But after the international break, Borough host newly promoted uh, Peterborough, um, and we spoke to Dan from the Yellow Block podcast for an opposition perspective on Posh. So setup-wise, formation, we've been chopping and changing a little bit the last couple of weeks. We either go with a, a sort of three at the back with five in midfield and two up top, um, or some sort of variation on that anyway, um, or a, a four at the back with uh, two defensive midfielders, three attacking midfielders and a, a striker, sort of a pentagon formation. 
Um, both have had success for us sort of this season, um, but I mean our form is very hit and miss. Obviously, you can look at our results over the last five games. You know, we we get a great result against Birmingham three nil at home, and then the next game we lose three nil to Coventry. So, I mean, we're we're sort of, I guess, still finding our feet in in the league. Which, after eleven games, most posh fans wouldn't want to be saying, but it's just the situation we find ourselves in. Um, if, if we're going to come after the game, which I, I hope we do, with the position that we're in, we need to start attacking games and, and not trying to sort of dig in for draws. Um, we'll probably play a lot on the counter, try and soak up quite a lot of the pressure, and then go for it with the pace that we have on the sides. Um, in in sort of in the attack, I imagine we'll line up with four. I think this is a game that we'll ideally want to target. Obviously, you guys haven't had the best of starts. Um, and given recent results, obviously, the loss against Hull, it's it's probably one that we're going to target as a priority. Um, players to look out for, I'd, I'd say Sariki Dembele has been our shining light this year. Um, you know, quite ironically, he's a player that doesn't actually want to be at the club anymore and has made his feelings quite clear on the matter. Um, but... You know, again, situation we find ourselves in. He has been our best player this season so far. We have a lot of injuries, um, and obviously with Jonathan Clark Harris having a, a suspension pending, it's very likely that Dembele is going to be our only striker um, in the squad. And, and possibly we've got Sammy Smonix, who's more of a sort of centre forward at best, more of an attacking midfielder. Really, um, we can put him up there. Obviously, he got a couple of goals at the weekend, so you know he's proven that he can score. Um, it's just whether he can be consistent uh, up top for us, and we, obviously we just don't know that yet. He's not really had enough game time this season, and he's he's not really been fit enough. Um, thoughts on the game? Yeah, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I just I can't see us really getting too much out of it. Obviously, we came back after the international break this time round, and everyone was saying, "Oh, we'll be fitter, we'll be stronger, we'll be better," and we looked worse than we did before it. So. If that's anything to go on, um, I'm not having high hopes for it. Uh, hopefully, we, we go after the game, and I think it, it might have a, a lot of goals in. It's just whether all those goals are going to be in our favour, and judging off the way we defend this season, averaging sort of two or three game, uh, goals against a game, um, I, I just can't see us winning it, to be honest. So I, I anticipate something on the lines of a 3-1 loss. So, Tom, Dan is quite pessimistic uh, about this game. He isn't expecting a, a win. But is this potentially a bit of a dangerous game for Borough? Because we've seen before, we have crumbled when the onus is on us to win. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be, like you said, expecting to play on the counter-attack, which would imply that we're going to have more possession. And I don't think that we are. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm probably quite as pessimistic as him for this game, um, <laughs> but like in the opposite direction, um, I've, I personally think it's going to be end, end up being like one nil at the end of the game, and I can just hear like all the seats slamming as people go down at the concourse. Um, yeah, I, I think after after the international break, though, you know we've got two weeks to to work on everything. It's it's an opportunity there to to really kind of put a mark down and be like right we're sorted now we're going to push on from here which obviously I I really hope we do uh, I hope it's a much changed display and we carry on carry on with our uh, our chance creation being quite high and 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 we we do end up winning that quite comfortably but yeah I, I think that's a that's a big game mm. score predictions 
Uh, I'm going one nil Peterborough. <laughs> See, I've gone one all. I think. Hopefully, as you've mentioned as well, the international break can provide a bit of a reprieve from the pressure and and, and basically just allow Borough to be on the training ground and really work on getting three points in this game because it's really important that we spark a run. I think we've got Barnsley after that, if yeah. I, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah so no Cardiff away on the on the weekend. Yeah, so three struggling teams. You're looking at those games and you're thinking each of them are, uh, are an opportunity for Borough to start a run. But as I mentioned, we have struggled before when the onus is on us um, to win the game. But just a, a fun little addition to the podcast. We introduced this last week, but not on air. Um, possession prediction? I'm going to go with 41%. 41. I'm going to go 49. I was way off on my last one, wasn't I? I think I said... 47 and we had about John, Johnny got closest with the last one yeah, didn't he? to be fair you weren't you weren't all that far away I, know, I was really pessimistic from my <laughs> I said like 31 or something <laughs> I think you did didn't you oh dear it's just a bit of fun isn't it but yeah moving on to podcast questions this is of course where you submit your questions to us we've got a few funny ones this week including what we had for breakfast now I can only answer this by saying I had leftover Domino's pizza for breakfast this morning so a bit more comfort food after that defeat yesterday but the first question Luke Baker asks why are we unable to show consistency why is it that you're almost expecting as a fan to lose against the worst team in the league and just a quick footnote on that Hull were on the longest spell without a win across uh, all four top English divisions with their last win coming on the opening day against Preston so why are we so inconsistent? I think it's got to be a confidence issue with the team. I, th- I think, you know, we'll have a game like Sheffield United where we'll play really well um, and, you know, confidence should pick up a little bit more after that and then you'll go and get this result like Hull and it'll it'll knock it even further. Um, I think that's because we've been kind of consistently inconsistent this season. Yes. <laughs> the, there's never been an opportunity for for players' confidence to to increase really after after these games. Uh, I, th- I think we just need we need two wins in a row and just help <laughs> help to to bring that up further. But if if I had to kind of guess that that's what I think it would be at the moment. Isn't it a bit of a worry that since Warnock has taken charge of Borough, we have had this problem of being a Jekyll and Hyde team, and we haven't we haven't managed to shake that tag off us yet and I mean that, that's a little bit of a worry surely. Yeah definitely I, I think when I think especially from from January onwards um, we, we've just never never looked like going on a consistent run. And we're in October and, now aren't we? Yeah I mean the first half of last season you could probably kind of make a case that we were looking stronger as a team I, I think we definitely were anyway after the, yeah. the job Warnock did when he came in keeping us up and then start of last season, I think that might tie into confidence as well. Confidence would have clearly been high staying up the season before and you know having it turned around uh, completely from where we were. We put on a, a bit of a, a decent bit of form in the start of last season and then it just completely changed in, in January and hasn't really picked up since. So, yeah, I, I really think it's, it's going to come down to confidence, but it, it is a worry that we can't kind of create anything uh, consistently at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it feeds into my belief that I think Warnock has taken us as far as he can because ugh, it, we're just not really... We have stagnated. We can't put a run together. 
you would have thought that after the Sheffield United win, surely the whole game was... I don't want to say a, a banker for Borough to, to have won it, but still, you're looking at that game thinking, right, this is the opportunity now for us to, to build up a little bit of momentum, and it just didn't work. Uh, ben Strickland asks, uh, are we too relying on individual moments of quality as opposed to team goals? Uh, and I'm going to pick that up uh, if I may. I don't think we're too reliant or over-reliant on individual moments of quality because I think we saw team goals against Sheffield United and against Forest. But I think, generally speaking, we're too reliant on moments. You never really see Borough sort of strangle the opposition, dominate the game, convince, really. Mm. We, we're not a, a possession team. More times than not, we have the minority of possession as opposed to the man, uh, to the majority. Sorry. Um, so for me, I think... We're far too reliant on moments, and and that's fantastic when it works. Um, you know, we we got it spot on against um, Sheffield United in those moments, as we've mentioned. But then, when it doesn't work, we don't really have a plan B, do we? No, not at all. I, I mean, we do kind of sort of have a plan B now with um, with Vic Piazzo. Uh, I suppose we've got always got the option to to bring him off the bench and and kind of have that that hold up striker which to be fair I thought worked really well at the start of the season. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, I mean we, we do seem to kind of lack a plan B when we when we're trying trying to get a goal and it's just not working. Um it's just it's frustrating to see as a as a fan where we we just never kind of really learn our lessons and you know attempt it a different way I suppose. Yeah, we the way that I see it we play in in fractions really of games and it's it's about percentages with with the you know, Borough, and I would love to see us take the ball and, and try to wear down the opposition um we never really do that and it is about those percentages in, in, in games those fractions of games where you're thinking right maybe one or two chances one or two clear-cut chances I, I must emphasise and you're hoping that those go in. But... I, I'd love to see that as well. I think like a, a prime example of of what you you talked about there is the game against MK Dons now promotion season, where a lot of people were getting frustrated in the in the stands because we hadn't scored up until like the 70th minute, and oh wait, it's only MK Dons. I've only just come off for for this season or whatever, but. You look at that game, and we were using the ball and to to tire out the opposition. We were making them chase. They never really looked threatening. We just wore them down, wore them down. We got that clear cut chance. Um, I, I suppose it maybe wasn't even clear cut because it was a real kind of moment of brilliance from from Downing to kind of curl it into the far corner. And then after that, they opened up because they had to uh, go for an equaliser, and then it was easier for us to kind of carve them open. But we don't seem to do that at the moment as well. I suppose when even when struggling teams come to the Riverside, we make them look fantastic because we keep giving them the ball and and kind of giving them too much respect. Like there's there's no plan in place there to kind of really uh, tire them out. If anything, we tire ourselves out from from pressing uh, probably at the wrong moments as well. Uh, and and probably tiring ourselves out mentally with the with the man marking which we, we seem to be bringing up, to get a mention. bringing up every week <laughs> man marking is getting more mentions than dawn at the moment <laughs> oh god well it wasn't me that mentioned it this week um ian smith says uh, and this is an interesting one international bit looming is it time to clear out the old and bring in the new i think we mentioned before on previous podcasts that we were going to sort of analyze warnock's position at the next international break of course we've reached that now so 
do you think it's time to to move Warnock on? I wouldn't be against it, to be honest. Um, Diplomatic answer. I, 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 <laughs> I think with where we are in the in the season, how we've performed so far. You know, you, you talked earlier about Steve Cooper at Nottingham Forest. If we could kind of get a new manager bounce for ourselves, yeah. uh, you know, that that would only work really well for us uh, moving forward. I, I suppose, personally, I'd love to see a better brand of football. But also, I'm, I'm not of, of the opinion that football always has to entertain me. I think it always will because it's it's a competitive sport and there's always... You know, it's always going to keep you guessing. There's no kind of predetermined output to it. Um, But it's it's not even effective at the moment under Warnock, unfortunately. Like I could take it if uh, if it was getting results, but it's not. Um, I think if we were to bring someone else in with some fresh ideas and and getting the best out of out of the players that we have, it probably work pretty well for us at this point. It's almost like that meme of the the three people and there's the the man and the woman and the man's looking over his shoulder at like <laughs> the other woman. That's that's what it feels like that we're not getting the results. The style of play, I, I'm, I'm going to say this now and it, this might be controversial, it's not terrible. I just think that this squad, it's better than what we're showing. That, I, I that's what I the, think. The players are maybe used to a different style of play. Uh, I think looking particularly at who we brought in in the summer, um, I, f- I think Warnock's got his idea on how he wants us to play, but I feel like these players would be so much better in a different system. Mm, um, and I'm also wondering, just kind of going back to to what I said earlier about confidence, about the personality of our players, um, because I'm obviously we've all seen the, uh, the videos of Warnock's team talks at che- Sheffield United and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I know from from my own experiences, very limited experiences, <laughs> of, of playing playing uh, football at like you know college level and stuff like that. If a coach was coming in and telling us we were shite, I was less <laughs> likely to want to play for that coach. I'd, mm. I'd have just thought, oh, you know, what, I'm, I, screw it, I'm I'm not even going to try, mm. like fake an injury or something. Like, <laughs> I'd hope none of our players are like me in that respect. But you know. <laughs> It, it does make me wonder, like if if Warnock's coming in, kind of berating them uh, for not playing a certain style of play, is that then going to make them less likely to want to play that that style of play? Is it is it the wrong way of going about it, management wise? Yeah, there there has been a few questions raised about some of his comments in the press as well, and well, if I heard this, would would I want to play for him if he's mm. basically throwing me under the bus in the press? And, and there was an interesting blog I, I read. This was on Fly Me to the Moon, actually, when I was having a lurk on there, um, from a Leeds fan when Warnock was at Leeds. And he said that it started well under Warnock, but then gradually you saw him bringing in the likes of Paddy Kenny, Michael Tong, uh, Lee Peltier, of course. Um, and then he favoured Michael Brown or, over um, Ross Barkley, who was, of course, on loan back then. And in the end, the sort of personality of who Neil Warnock is went more from entertaining and almost, you know, you you feel him, you you sort of, um, you know, you, you're with him. And it got to the point where it was almost grating on them. I, I think that's started to happen already. Like he, he said the other day um, in, in regards to fan criticism of him, 
um he was like oh the grass isn't always greener and and stuff like that i'm like you, you want to be careful what you wish for and stuff yeah. i'm like we know the grass isn't always greener you were literally brought in because it wasn't <laughs> like, um yes. like if if we got our recruitment right this time of course it would be but like you, you're acting like we don't know that it, it could be worse yeah. like it was the only reason you're here is because it was worse essentially yeah the, i mean there's a i think the way that I see it, and I don't know whether the majority are Warnock out or the minority are or what, but there are a lot of fans that I've seen that it's almost beyond repair now, I think. Mm. And there's there's these little seeds that have been planted where they're not they're not happy, but they'll let it slide. Comments that are made in the press, they'll just sort of gloss it over. But then, obviously, as results have started to go against Borough, you're thinking about it more and you're thinking about the implications of the, of the comments and et cetera, et cetera. And I just think it's got to the point now where, of course, we're seeing the the frustrations rear its head in the stands, yeah. and that is the point probably where surely the the chairman has to really think about whether the future of the manager is safe or whether it needs to be under review. Because as soon as you lose the fans, you're fighting a losing battle, mm. aren't you? I don't think he's completely lost the fans yet because I think mm. there are supporters of him still, oh, yeah, still yeah, there. For sure. You know, it, it was only what the last last couple of games where we've certain sections of the the crowd have been singing Super Neil Warnock, but yeah. like I, for me personally, like I'm just disappointed in him at the moment. Like obviously at the start of the season, we had our predictions. I thought with the signings he was making, uh, the the noises he was making. You know, around season ticket season, coincidentally, um, I thought we were really going to be going for it this season. I've been disappointed with how we've played, and also kind of some of the excuses that are coming out now. It's just like you, you can't justify some of this. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's it for me. Like I, I said at the start of the season, you got to hold it more high, uh, higher, um, higher standard this season. Um, to, to be judged on, um, you know, based, based on the the signs we're making, it is his team now. There's no excuses for for not hitting targets, and and at the moment we're not hitting targets, and we're hearing excuses. Very disappointing indeed. Now a, a very similar question to to Ian's. Andrew asks, is it time for Warnock to go, or are the players letting him down, or is it a bit of both? I think it could be a bit of both. Um, like we like we just said there, uh, I think it could come down to style of play and, and personality clash and stuff like that. But yeah, I'd be interested to, to kind of see how many players are, are actively wanting to play for him at the moment. Um, and, you know, he's obviously kind of... He, he would have caused that himself. Um, but yeah, also... I suppose with some of the signings that we made not being your typical Warnock players, it's like with us aren't to be in a different system, play a certain way. Um, yeah, I, I think like it's a bit of both. How about you? See, I mean, the game yesterday that was probably the f- one of the rare times this season that I've actually been more disappointed than players than the manager, and I'll say that because we had the opportunities, we just didn't take them. Um, Spurai in particular was was disappointing, and and I mean I've I've got faith in Spurai. I think the more that we keep giving him that service, I I'm confident that he'll get goals for us, as I mentioned yeah, earlier. Same. But it was disappointing, and I do agree uh, and understand the people saying that we didn't deserve to lose yesterday because I mean the fluky own goal 
um, was really disappointing. I mean, that, that's me eliminating Malik Wilkes' goals, so... You know, but I mean, Wilkes's goal was kind of a result of that first goal as well. Yeah, so. yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it's. I think yeah, yesterday was probably probably the most I've disappo- disappointed I've been in the players, probably more than the manager. But I think from a general and and, and wider lens, the main disappointment this season has been on Warnock. So it's it is really frustrating. But Danny Beanmore asks another question. He says, uh, what style of player would you like to see us play and would it suit our squad? This is an interesting one because we have spoken before about uh, style of play and manage, I don't know, a, a different, maybe more possession-based style. At least that's what I want to see from Borough. I want to see possession-based as well. Um, I, I think for me, um, in my time of watching Borough, no kind of real style of play has been better to watch than the possession style we had under Karanka. And that's just purely because, to me, it was enjoyable to watch. It kind of made you, I don't want to sound boring, it kind of made you think a lot more about what we were doing and and, and clearly the players were thinking a lot more about it as well. Um, and I think when we've seen it attempted to play this kind of high-pressing play, it just never really works. Um, I, I quite like the, the possession style four two three one that we had. I'd love to see us play it again. Um just obviously need a, a manager who'll do it. Ryan Law, even though he doesn't play four two three one, he plays three at the back, but still. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. I think possession style. That I look at our squad and I just, as I've mentioned, I see so much more than what we're given right now. I see a midfield that dominates games. We see the best out of the technical players. We see players really shining in the middle. I, I mean, we. I was going to say we have that defensive stability in the middle, but we don't even have that at the mm. moment, to be honest. I think there are holes in midfield um, bar the Sheffield United game, which I have to say, again, I thought the midfield balance was great against um, Sheffield United. And in and I guess it, it wasn't all that bad against uh, Hull yesterday either, but of course, I mean, we were up against it after that own goal anyway because you immediately chased the game after that. But... Yeah, I would like to see a possession-based style. People will ask as well, what manager? Of course, I've mentioned Ryan Law a few times. That would obviously take time because it's a completely different... It's probably more gung-ho, I would say, um, as opposed to anything... Um, I've spoken before, he says that he has a set style of play and that he will continue with that. And I think you do have to have a bit of tactical flexibility, of course, but a manager that... A manager that, that plays a possession-based style, that, that wants to get on the ball, that wants to get their positive players and, and play on the front foot. Because I just see Borough play on the back foot, to be honest. Mm. That's the way that I see that, that our style. But yeah, definitely a, a possession-based manager. Um, but just a final question from me to you, Tom. Uh, are you all about the chips and curry hype train now? Because of course <laughs> you tried some. The, the Mac and Burger van on the way was actually at them a game on Tuesday night. I am now, yeah. Uh, I, I also in. fully credit him for our win on Tuesday. I think it was him same. that did it. It wasn't the players, it wasn't one. <laughs> it, was it was just his return. But yeah, I've had uh, chips and curry from a few vans around the riverside and that one was probably the best so far. You're going to do a detour now, aren't you, and go to the leeway just to get some chips and yeah, curry? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> my, my dad was saying it was... Uh, Earlier on today, he was like, "Oh, we're parking in the uh, in the um, the club car park at the Pete Uber game. You might have to like make your own travel arrangements." So I was like, "Right, I know where I'm parking. I know where I'm going." <laughs> See everyone. Get to the Mackenberger van at the uh, at the at the uh, leeway. They 
do the best chips and curry. But yeah, I think that is it for this week. We'll wrap it up here. Uh, Borough continue to splutter through the first lap of the championship season and who knows, they may soon get lost at a crossroad. This has been the Borough Breakdown podcast and that was all your matchday chatter in a pot of the Borough Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.